This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Our hope is in a person, Jesus Christ. And if Christ is in our heart, we will always have hope. Always. We're different from the world. We have Christ. We have hope. It's in our heart. So there's no such thing as a Christian having no hope. When you hear a Christian say, oh, I have no hope. Are you saved? Well, let me show you what the Bible says. What you're saying is not true. It's against Scripture. You have Jesus Christ. You have hope. What is the first thing you think of when you hear the word hope? Hope isn't just something that is reserved for faith communities. For example, you can have a hope in your favorite sports team to win the championship. Well, that may be a silly example. We all know what it's like to have hope. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will be sharing that as Christians, we will always have hope. When we have the Holy Spirit in us, we carry hope. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Titus chapter 2, as he continues his message, Trained by Saving Grace. We sin, we come to the Father, we come to the Advocate, Jesus Christ. And I love what 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says. This is the Christian bar soap, saints. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is what? Faithful. Underline that in your Bible. He is faithful. Every time you ask Him to forgive you, He is faithful. And just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from some? No, all unrighteousness. This is the work of God. By His grace, saints, don't use the grace of God as a license to sin. Fear the Lord. That's why it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. (laughs) It's great to know that, hey, there's a God that He loves you. He chastens you. But we can always come to Christ and He's faithful to forgive. Don't use grace as a license to sin, but allow the grace of God to teach you to avoid sinning, to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. The next thing, here's the things we're to pursue. Those are the things that we're to deny. Here's the things we're to pursue. We should live soberly, it says in the middle of verse 12. We should live soberly. Familiar word is self-control. Righteously. The word righteously here speaks of a, a call to goodness towards fellow man. Whenever you see the, the, the words righteousness and godliness, the difference is this. Righteousness is horizontal. It's towards man. That's righteousness. Opposite of it is unrighteousness. Godliness is vertical. So we want to live godly. So it, it, not, it not only offends man, but obviously if it offends man, it's going to offend God. If it's, it's sin against man, it's a sin against God. So the horizontal and the vertical must be right. We must live a life as if we have a relationship with Christ, as if we have been saved by grace. Be careful with these things that are righteous and things that are godly. 
We ought to do what is right at all times, at all costs, at all counts. John Wesley made this statement. John Wesley said this, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. Well put. That's a mouthful, but it covers all the bases. At the end of verse 12, he goes on to say, live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. That is now. Just as it was in Paul's day, it is now. We need godly men and women who have been saved by grace to live godly in this present age. It speaks of a relationship with God. It shows the world that there is a God by the way you live. There's proof that there is a God. Especially those that know you in your, in your BC days before Christ. You know, I have so many friends that says, What, Eddie? Dude, I thought you'd be in jail. You became a police officer, now a pastor? Say, yeah, God is amazing. <laughs> you know, God is amazing. It shows the grace of God. It shows the grace of God. We are to be godly, Christ-like in this present world. Is this salvation that we have through Christ, this godly living that is needed for today. Well, we looked at the grace of God appeared to all men. The grace of God teaches us. Thirdly, the grace of God gives us hope. It gives us hope. Look at verse 13. It says, looking for the blessed hope. Blessed hope, the word blessed, you, you probably remember the Beatitudes, right? Uh, blessed are the weak, blessed are the poor, right? Blessed are those, you know, okay. It's the word happy. 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 And so happy, we have this happy hope. As believers in Christ, we look to this blessed, this happy hope. How tragic it is when a person has no hope. No hope for the future. No hope for now. This world is filled with people with no hope. And where can they get hope when they find the believers in Jesus Christ living a life as if there is hope? You know, before we came to Christ, we also were without hope. Paul writes to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20. It says, at that time you were without Christ. Be aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world. But now we have Christ. So we have hope. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 says, Christ in you the hope of glory. Without Christ, there is no hope. Because hope is not in a thing. It's not looking in the calendar. Hope is not in the wish. Hope is in a person. The person, Jesus Christ. Hear me. Hope is in the person, Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, it says, God and Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. When our hope is in God, we look to the Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to remember this. Understand this. This is a biblical fact. This is the truth. 
There is no such thing, listen, there is no such thing as a Christian that has no hope. Doesn't exist. There's no such thing. Then he's not a Christian. No such thing. It doesn't exist. You know why? Why? Because of this. Our hope is in a person, Jesus Christ. And if Christ is in our heart, we will always have hope. Always. We're different from the world. We have Christ. We have hope. It's in our heart. So there's no such thing as a Christian having hope. When you hear a Christian say, oh, I have no hope. Are you saved? Well, let me show you what the Bible says. What you're saying is not true. It's against Scripture. You have Jesus Christ. You have hope. You have hope. He's in your heart. He'll always be. Now, you might be consumed with circumstances and trials and tribulations, and you may think, where is this hope? Uh, It's still there. You just need to find time in the Lord. You say, Lord, this is what I'm going through. It just seems that there's no hope. But Lord, my hope is in you. And Lord, this is what I'm going through. I'm going to leave it in your hands. It's better in his hand than yours. Trust me. We have hope because we have Christ. He dwells right here in our hearts. For every single one of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, born again, a believer, hope is always with us. It never leaves. It never leaves. It's always in our heart. Now, allow me a little bit just to park here on this hope because hope for a Christian is different from that of the world. And we already know. And the word hope is used like the word love. The world doesn't know love because they don't know Jesus. The only way to know true love, for God is love. It's not like it's added to him, he keeps it in his pocket like Batman, he has a utility belt, here's love, here's grace. No, he is love. Everything about God is love. So the world, anything outside of God is not true love. How do we know that? Look at the cross. That's love. And in the same way, the world doesn't know hope, they have a different hope. Hope is not wishing on a star. That's the way the world does. They think of hope, wishing on a star. Or it's used as a cliche, empty promises. Oh, I wish I get this promotion. I wish I get this job. Oh, I wish I hit the lottery. Hopefully you don't play the lottery, but... Doll in a dream, go pray. (laughs) You know what I mean? The kind of hope, that kind of hope is not the hope of the Bible. A biblical hope is this. It's an expectation. For the Christian, hope is this. Always associate this word. is in the person, but this hope here is an expectation. It is the expectation that something is good is going to happen because God said it's going to happen. God keeps his promises, so it's going to happen. It's an expectation. Biblical hope is a confident expectation that is based and rests on the sure promises of God. Heaven and earth will pass, but my word will not pass. The word will never return void to the Lord. It won't hit the ground. It's going to accomplish what it was sent forth to do. It brings life. And when it brings promises, it fulfills those promises. Let's look at verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our God, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the second time the word appearing is is mentioned here. Verse 11 and verse 13. The first historical appearing of Christ is when he came to die on the cross for us. Second is his glorious appearing. Here in, in verse 13, 
Paul speaks about the second appearing that points to and speaks of the second coming of Christ. Jesus is coming back. He's coming again. He's coming again soon. Jesus said those days are just like the days of Noah. Everybody's drinking. Oh, yeah, but this guy, Noah, yeah, he's built this big art in front of his lawn. This guy's crazy. Rain? Who ever heard of rain? The same thing. They're saying these Christians are crazy. Christ is not coming. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. The word of the Lord don't return back void. Heaven and earth will pass, which it will, but not his word. He said he's coming. Whether they believe it or not, he's coming. Just like the days of Noah, nobody believed in the flood. It's coming. Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Saints, remember, we will always have hope. How many here have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of Persia? I'm not saying believe. How many have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord? You will always have hope. You will always have hope. And if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, I'm not saying you're a Christian by name because your parents are Christians. No, I'm saying repent. The first words of Jesus. When Jesus started to say repent, that means to turn around. Turn your life around. Surrender your life to Jesus. If you have not, please see me. I want to introduce you to my Lord and Savior. Where you can have this hope Always, regardless of what's going on in our nation, regardless of what's going on in this world, regardless of what's going on in your world, in your own home, we have hope, hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming soon. Verse 13, look for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed. Jesus gave himself. He literally purchased us. The cost of his life at the cross. He redeemed us to set us free from the bondage of sin and death. It's not a halfway salvation. The Lord said, your sins have been forgiven. As far as, I will remember your sins no more as far as the east to the west. And we like to remember when people do wrong to us, don't we? We shouldn't. <laughs> so yeah, I forgive you, but I won't forget. That's not forgiving. That's what the world we are forgiving is forgetting, starting new. Salvation at the cross, but by the grace of God, through Jesus Christ, sin shall not have dominion over us. Romans 6.14 again, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Verse 14, who... Speaking of Christ, gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. First John chapter 3, verse 3, and, and everyone who has this hope, we already talked about hope, in him purifies himself just as he is pure. We're to purify ourselves. Now, in of ourselves, it's going to be difficult for you to do it yourself, but the Holy Spirit helps us. Remember, the Christian bar soul. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. 
purification, sanctification process, we become a special people. What Paul's doing is echoing what, what, what was spoken of in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. They said, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. God didn't say, Well, you know, I chose you Jews and uh, the Israel, children of Israel because uh, you're better, you're special. No, not, not at all. <laughs> it's all people. Peter uses this phrase too, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He ends uh, verse 14, it says, for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. God's people should be uh, zealous to do the good works, kindness, godliness, all in the name of God, for the glory of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And finally, we saw grace appeared to all men. We saw uh, the grace of God teaches us. The grace of God this hope, this hope, this promise that God is faithful to keep. And now we're to encourage and share. It says, speak, verse 15, these things. Exhort, we're to speak and share these things. I believe the best way you and I can fully understand the grace of God is to look at the cross. If you want to speak, share, and teach, there's one thing we need to understand when it comes to grace, by the way. I should have really parked here for a little bit, but I'll give you... Whatever's left. we got another hour, so it's no problem. <laughs> Just kidding. One thing I've learned, and one thing we'll see as we see the grace of God. In order for us to fully understand the grace of God, to fully understand the grace of God is this. To understand the wrath of God. I'm about to give you a fire and brimstone message here. Not just kidding. In order to understand the grace of God... When you look at the wrath of God, we're saved by grace. But we're saved from what? The wrath of God. When we look to the cross, we see the wrath of God that's been poured onto His Son, Jesus Christ, that we deserve. We deserve to be nailed to the cross. We deserve the wrath of God. Christ was without sin. We sin. We deserve the wrath of God. And historians will tell that they, they have recorded the time when Jesus was crucified, when it says in the scriptures that it was dark throughout the world. That's because it was the sin of the world, the wrath of God poured on at Calvary's cross, the Son Jesus. It was the wrath of God. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, Father, is there any other way? Is there any other way that man can be saved? for me to go on that cross because it wasn't only that Christ had to deal with the wrath of God Christ had to deal with the separation from the Father which never had happened God the Father and God the Son were never separated just to think that you and I separated the Father 2,000 years ago because of our sins that's why he died on the cross 
And when he prayed, there's any other way. Any way that we can go to heaven. And so when Jesus was tempted in the desert, you remember? Satan offered him. He said, if you bow down to me, I'll give you the kingdom of the world. There was no argument for that because Satan took the keys from Adam. He's the prince of the air. And it was, I personally think that is the greatest temptation Jesus ever been tempted. Because when Satan offered him the world, there was no argument. He had every right to give the world if he wanted to because he took the keys from Adam when Adam had dominion over the world. But Jesus looked at the world and you know who he saw that was so tempting? Every one of you. In other words, Satan was saying, listen, you don't have to go to the cross, Jesus. You know that, that beating that you see in the future you're going to get? The scourging, the nailing of the hands and the feet, the wrath of God? You don't have to go through that. I'll give you a shortcut. Just bow to me. I'll give you the word right now. He went to the cross. Because the cross, in Hebrew says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And so the wrath of God that we deserved, he took for us on the cross. How can we, I'm kind of going off my notes here, but how can we use the grace of God as a license to sin? We need to be right with God. We need to repent. We need to come to him. Verse 15, speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Paul's referring to the false teachers again. The island of Crete had many false teachers, and they were teaching otherwise. They obviously didn't set the example. They obviously didn't have the grace of God. They did not experience the saving grace of Christ. But it is by Christ that we've been saved, the grace of God. We deserve the wrath of God. We deserve absolutely nothing. We live in a world where there's self-entitlement. I'm entitled. We're entitled to nothing. We deserve nothing. What we have, we ought to be grateful and thank the Lord. It is by the grace of God that he created us out of his glorious image. It is by the grace of God that he took our place at Calvary's cross to die for our sins, to give us eternal life. It is by the grace of God that he hath kept us to this day. God is keeping you. God is in your heart. You have hope. It is by the grace of God that he is returning for us. The grace of God. Let it be your teacher. Let it help you deny the ungodly things Let it help you pursue the godly things. Let it help you draw nearer to God. It didn't stop at the cross, saints. The grace of God is still with us. Amen? We're so glad you decided to join us here today on Running the Race. Pastor Eddie is making his way through the book of Titus in this series. In Titus chapter 3, Paul holds up a mirror to show us who we were and are in reality. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs, 
according to the hope of eternal life. Isn't it extraordinary all that God has done to turn your life around? Running the Race is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. And here's Jessica with an invitation just for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Thanks, Jessica. Head over right now and start exploring all the resources available to you. And we'll see you here next time for more on Running the Race.